Welcome to Blockchain Unpacked. Blockchain Unpacked is a video cast and podcast series held in partnership between RegTech Associates and Crystal Blockchain. Join Jason Baud and Marina Kaustova every month and explore the real-world impact of criminal activity beyond the blockchain. During the series, we will introduce you to a range of experts who will help analyze regulatory effectiveness and share the latest news, trends and predictions in a digestible format to keep you in the know. Welcome to Blockchain Unpacked. This show features expert insights from prominent leaders in the blockchain, uh, regulatory and technology industries. And I'm delighted to co-hosting this show today with Jason Bao, CEO of RegTech Associates. Jason and I will kick off by covering some of the developments in the Web3 space that caught our eye in the past few weeks. And then we'll be joined by this week's special guest, Rob Moore, former communication specialist in the British Army that turned private investigator with a particular focus on the crypto-related hacks. So without further ado, Jason, how are you? Uh, and what's been happening in your world since the last time you checked out? Hi, Marina. It's good to see you again. Uh, I can't believe we're on episode four already. It's really flown by. Um, I don't know about you. Episode three was a lot of fun, right? A gift from the yeah. gods uh, with the, the the crew from BCB Group. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm doing really well. My uh, my attentions, I think, like many people, certainly in Northern Europe, are starting to turn towards a summer vacation. So I'm I'm sort of either ramping up or ramping down for that, depending on which way you look at it. Um, but while I've been doing that, I, I, I can't help thinking about a couple of bits of news that I've seen and whether it's a signal of the crypto industry growing up and um, maybe bouncing back from the crypto winter. So maybe if I share a couple of those data points, I'd love to hear your view on that. The first thing I observed was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there's been loads of news in the EU and the European Parliament and the Commission but a couple of weeks ago, a piece of news sort of snuck pretty much under the radar that the European Parliament have struck a deal on changes to capital requirements regulations. Um, they're known as the CRR and CRD rules, and they're pretty, you know, they're pretty heavyweight rules. They apply to, to banks about how they uh, risk weight their assets and how they set aside capital uh, to, you know, to offset any risk of those assets. Um, and the agreement they've struck up is an agreement on how crypto related assets are risk weighted. And I think this may show that the crypto industry is growing up. I mean, what it really allows is banks and digital asset providers to to risk weight and hold crypto assets on their balance sheet and with some certainty. So I think that's that's fantastic for regulated firms that want to hold those assets um, to have that certainty. And the second piece of news was more on the fundraising side. So there's a digital asset exchange called Bitpanda Pro. They're not one of the big ones. They're sort of 30, 40 uh, in, in the rankings by trading volume, but they uh, raised 30 million euros of funding and spun out from their parent company. And um, they're also becoming a MIFID trading venue. So these guys trade digital assets, but also trade across uh, digital fiat currencies and, pe and market pairs. So you know, great to see a digital exchange getting fundraising. Great to see the holding of digital assets getting some uh, treatment in the way that traditional finance. So I don't know about you, but I think that's the signs, some some glimmers of hope about maybe the crypto winter starting to ease a little bit and the crypto industry 
growing up. What, what do you think? What's your view? There's certainly something brewing up. Um, that's true. And uh, uh, of course, you know, halving is happening next year and we all have seen and it's logical, you know, to expect a lot of optimism uh, on the market, you know, related to this uh, moment. However, um, you know, we're still in this um, downturn, down cycle for the venture financing, right, which clearly yeah. affects that. And, you know, that makes me think that it might be interesting that, you know, actually crypto um, uh, positivity might turn and help the tech segment actually to liven up as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And I clearly see uh, some interesting signals also. For example, um, it's been surprising to see that Hong Kong's banking regulators started uh, pressing, uh, started applying pressure to uh, their lenders, including HSBC and standard shares, chartered to actually start taking crypto customers as clients. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, again, um, uh, on the flip side of what's happening in the United States, that's definitely an interesting signal. And we are having a lot of customers in APAP, and they're also expressing some um, optimistic views on what to expect. And Another big thing that happened in the last weeks, of course, it's uh, BlackRock filing for the spot Bitcoin ETF. And why this is exciting, we have seen companies filing for this before. Uh, the thing is that BlackRock has um, an excellent track record of actually approved um, uh, requests. So I think uh, the majority of them, like more than 95% of them have been approved. So it is... Um, some people express the opinion that it is very, um, you know, unlikely that this kind of application has been put forward uh, without, you know, a certain degree of confidence that it would get approved. So I think uh, that event also was, you know, causing uh, a lot of, um, um, again, a lot of positivity and a lot of optimism in this space, which is, of course, uh, um, I'm happy to see, yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting as well. On the show, obviously, we're going to be talking about investigations uh, today. And, you know, inv investigations by the nature almost uh, focus on the negative side, about the yeah. crime and the, the, the chasing down of the crime. So I, I think it's really important that we talk about the positivity that's happening in the crypto industry and in the blockchain analytics industry. So they're, they're really good data points. The, um, the other thing that caught my eye is um, just very quickly, the FCA, so one of the, for, of, most people know who they are, but one of the two regulators in the UK recently wrote to any crypto asset firm um, operating in the UK and um, warned them about an up and coming change in regulation where any crypto asset firm marketing to UK consumers, regardless of where they're registered, so regardless of, where their headquarters are, where they're regulated or registered, if they're marketing to UK consumers, they have to um, follow some regulations that are coming in later this year, known as the financial promotions regime. And it's worth noting, the reason that's important is because up until now, many regulators, including the FCA, have really been limited to making sure that firms only operate and adhere to AML and counter-terrorism legislations whereas this is really giving them the power to enforce unfair or illegal promotions and um, once that regulation and regime comes into force there's some very specific ways that those firms have to 
either communicate and market their products via an authorized person, which is a regulated person um, uh, it, within a regulated business, or they have to prove that they're exempt. And um, I think if we look back in some of the news around, sort of, you know, in the past across the world about influencer marketing uh, of crypto assets and, you know, the Kim Kardashian uh, famous case where she was fined, you know, over a million dollars for promoting a scam project. Uh, you know, there's quite a few examples of that. So this really makes sure that at least in the UK, um, that should not happen. Or if it does happen, it will be in supervised and enforced and, and ultimately prosecuted. So again, hopefully another sign of, you know, some tightening, but for a good reason to protect consumers and give them more confidence in, in the broader crypto industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. And also, again, these, um, um, this vector continues going on while uh, United States is figuring out, you know, what to do next um, and is quite busy with these, uh, you know, discussions about, uh, you know, what is what and how to observe and to interpret certain actions of the companies uh, based in the United States. Other countries are taking advantage, yeah. And um, uh, also, like, I'm, I'm on the positive side today. <laughs> uh, it was um, very um, surprising also for me to see that uh, actually Anderson Horowitz uh, um, announced that they are opening their first international office in the UK, um, especially because of the regulators scrutiny on the cryptocurrencies in the United States. So, I mean, that's a very bold move. And uh, um, uh, again, that was very much supported by the government as well. And as I understand, the prime minister um, also welcomed this move and he publicly stated that, yes, this is very important for us to develop Web3. And of course, um, tightening up the regulation um, absolutely makes sense in this context. Uh, so yeah, um, happy to see that and welcoming it. Yeah, it's really interesting as well. I mean, you know, you're you're you know all around the world and and mm -hmm. sitting in continental Europe, you know, um, and it's really interesting. Obviously, I'm I'm based in the UK, so you tend to have a bit of a local focus. But it's really interesting seeing the, uh, you know, you got Zug and crypto, you know, Crypto Valley in Switzerland. They've taken a really strong position and a regulatory certainty position, and it's really interesting to see almost like. The jostling of the the different countries around the EU for like being friendly to commerce and friendly to innovation and friendly to crypto. So, yeah, that's really big news on A16Z uh, being in the UK. Super excited. I hope that has a a real sort of growth effect, not just in the UK but wider out into Europe as well. Yeah, it's a great piece of news. And so, Marina, what's um, you know, what's been going on in your world and with Crystal Blockchain since we spoke last time? Oh yeah, we are um, we, we're buzzing with activity recently. Um, our team is growing, and we are right now finding ourselves in an interesting position where we are, of course, you know, the Mika was uh, we, we saw that coming in, uh, but now we need to look forward. You know, what what's next, and what are the other um, aspects of the regulation that are right now. Um, not very much covered by um, existing uh, regulatory frameworks. And that brought us to, of course, NFTs. NFTs have been around for quite a lot of time. And, um, you know, uh, we have seen ups and downs for this particular uh, uh, segment of technology. And my personal belief is that we're not done with NFTs, but not probably in the form of, you know, representation of art, 
there is so much you know more to do uh, with this particular um, again piece of technology. But uh, we started thinking about this in Crystal, and uh, we thought that of course, okay, the landscape for them is really challenging, and many countries are yet to have regulate these uh, digital assets. So um, actually, um, U.S. regulators said, just said that NFTs are not immune to scrutiny. And uh, in Europe, um, there is no set regulation for NFTs, uh, but they might fall under the general um, cryptocurrency rules, such as Maker, right? So um, yeah, and NFTs start playing much you know, bigger role right now in the financial services. And it's clear that, again, regulators are going to be after them for um, quite soon, I think. So I, in response to these changes, we have been um, uh, building a new uh, part of Crystal, uh, which could provide insights on, insights on what's going on in the NFT world, particularly in the trade history and all the linked addresses. So you can get a clear view of all the you know trade histories and uh, therefore, again, make your assessment of uh, uh, where does it fall in your uh, compliance policy. So. Um, it's uh, a little bit, um, uh, again, I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that we're going to hear about the NFTs uh, further on, maybe even this year, uh, uh, quite a lot. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 we are preparing our customers uh, to be ready for that and to start observing them uh, holistically in connection to other activities uh, you know, that are leading uh, to the purchase of these NFTs. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic. It makes me think we should maybe do, if we've got time uh, this in the schedule this year, maybe do a show specifically mm -hmm. on NFTs and the, the risk and the opportunities they present. I know there's a number of NFT specialist marketplaces and platforms that are starting to add a lot of data and analytics in, you know, inside the trading uh, activities. So it'd be really interesting maybe to even perhaps get someone on from, you know, that runs one of these marketplaces and, and to talk with you, maybe at the point you're releasing the product or further down the line. I, I think this is a segment that's, you know, we haven't covered and we're going to cover, um, you know, it's really interesting whether it's going to fall under the purview of much of the regulations. I suspect it will fall under the promote the financial promotion regime, right? If people are promoting an NFT sale, uh, you know, to consumers, it's a financial promotion, regardless of what, you know, what thing is being sold. So, yeah, that's, a, again, like, like that. And I think we put that in the in the list for a later episode, maybe. Sure, sure, sure. They are not going anywhere. That is true. Um, another big thing that is happening right now in our world is uh, um, our announcement of the uh, collaboration with the universities. Uh, and that's quite an unusual move in our space, uh, but I have been, I've seen this unfolding for a while already. Um, more and more universities, more and more students uh, writing their thesis, they are approaching us and they're asking, oh, you have so much data, you have such a unique view on this industry, and that could help us, again, to research it and to you know, understand better how this huge industry actually operates and works. So um, we've been working with the universities, like always, um, um, supporting them in their research, and uh, uh, you may see some of these um, um, articles and uh, uh, documents actually already published. But we decided that, okay, uh, we really have to support these institutions in their, on their path of, again, um, including blockchain analytics and generally blockchain in the academic research. Um, so yeah, um, uh, we 
just decided that Kodi universities uh, are going to be supporting them as much as possible, giving them uh, the data that we have and, uh, yeah, uh, facilitating these, uh, these kind of um, investigations that are leading, again, to the academia research. And the fruits of this collaboration, uh, they already uh, begun to emerge. Um, so the recent uh, uh, partnership with Crystal, uh, the paper um, that was called The Tale of Two Markets, the investigation of the ransomware payments economy. Um, it was done by the um, students and it is designed uh, to explain how the traction of the destination of the ongoing transactions can be happening and how um, different strategies are being utilized by various ransomware groups um, to actually launder uh, money. So yeah, um, our mission here is actually um, to um, spur more of such explorations uh, done by uh, the students and done by universities. And actually, I can see the, how this can clear the path for the technological and financial breakthroughs as well. So yeah, um, I think uh, it's important that we are um, contributing to the new generations of the innovators, thinkers, uh, and uh, I'm happy to share data that Crystal has with them. Yeah, great. I mean, that's a great commitment to, you know, academia, to the, to the next generation of um, of professionals that are going to enter the market. So, you know, I applaud you. Congratulations. It's a great initiative. Thank you so much. And I really hope, you know, that that move will bring even more attention to uh, um um, among students, among um, uh, young people to actually join uh, blockchain analytics space and maybe become yeah. uh, an investigator and uh, figure out, you know, how they can contribute to this space. So you're developing the next, the, the pipeline of, of next generation talent to follow along the lines of, uh, of the, the gentleman we got coming on soon, right? So everyone <laughs> better, everyone better watch out. We got these bright, bright, young, talented things who understand blockchain analytics straight away so amazing that is true that is true and yeah you're right it's a perfect time to bring in this week's guest so welcome rob um rob is a former communication specialist in british army he now provides cybersecurity consultancy and investigation services using open source intelligence Rob provides forensic reports for use in court to assist asset recovery for victims uh, for, of online fraud and also provides training and consultancy to reduce the impact of the online targeting of fraud. Welcome, Rob. It's great to have you with us. Um, and first and foremost, um, how are you doing and what has been going on in your world uh, for the last uh, couple of weeks? Well, certainly not never a dull moment, that's for sure. Uh, could be busy. Um, working with uh, lawyers, barristers' chambers, and also the victims directly um, of crypto scams and crypto hacks. Uh, the scam space is is huge. Um, and unfortunately, it's, you know, as investigators and also I see law enforcement are on the back foot in terms of tackling it and uh, how vast it is. It's, uh, is num I've got about 10 active cases at the minute and growing um, where clients have lost you know, vast, vast sums of uh, of funds which have been um, converted from fiat to crypto to be placed onto what they believe is a, a trading platform. Unfortunately, it's all fake. Then they use the blockchain to launder those funds um, into various wallets that I then use Crystal Blockchain to, to trace um, to find out where they've gone and were last seen to then steer the, the lawyers and barristers um, through the court process to hopefully get asset recovery. 
So Rob, I mean, what 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 led you to this path in life? You, so you're a you're a sleuth and a private investigator of uh, in in the crypto in the crypto and blockchain world. What what led you to this this point in your career? Sure. So uh, left the military a few years ago. Um, went into sort of uh, the weird one world of corporate security. Um, I say sort of general fraud investigation, but it was still fascinating. You know, a company's got someone bad amongst the mix who's got their hands in the in the you know, in the wallet, whatever. Um, but they had my first crypto case about two and a half years ago. Um, and straight away, I, I, I could see something. This was part of something bigger. Um, and working with uh, lawyers and barristers, we sort of unearthed uh, this sort of large scale of this. And um, then having to sort of teach myself and the team rapidly about you know, blockchain, that sort of thing. You know, what is this? Uh, why are the bad guys using it? Um and then prior to using the likes of Crystal, having to use sort of open source blockchain explorers, um, which are okay to an extent, but uh, you need that enhanced tool to, especially to the tactics that the bad guys use to launder the funds. It's quite extensive, um, certainly with some of the hacks as well. You know, the likes of Lazarus Group and, and that sorts who are very, very good in this space in terms of being able to steal it and then move it around. Uh, to try and thwart someone like me or law enforcement going after them. Um, so, yeah, after that first case, uh, then start getting more and more and more. And to be honest, I've lost count how many I've done, um, which, especially in the scams, um, and it's the same modus operandi each time. Uh, this is sort of two parts to it in terms of it's either sort of the romance fraud, uh, where you meet someone online uh, and they sort of, quite quickly actually they'll try and entice you onto this trading platform that uh, they're promoting um and they're just trying to get you to part with your money to convert it to crypto to then make you believe it's going on to the website and the trading platform but as you when you start to see the blockchain analytics straight away you see that, that that's not happening that's it's being laundered in the background and what you're seeing on the screen all fake um the trouble is the psychology of this is clients want to believe um, and they're seeing, you know, great rewards from their investment, you know, doubling their money and that sort of thing. They're trading, they're buying shares, but it's all fake. Um, and on the other side, you've got the romance fraud as the, the, the way of getting them onto the platform. The other way is, is fake adverts. And we've seen this week uh, with the, quite a, a new tactic with deep fakes being used with Martin Lewis from yeah. Morning Britain, et cetera. Uh, who's not Happy Bunny, which is, you know, quite rightly so. He's already been used. I've seen him, his face being used, as well as other stars being promoting fake uh, trading platforms. Um, even members of my own family have come to me and said, oh, look, look at this. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, no, 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 that's fake. You know, you know what I do for a living. Um, it, mm. It's all, it, and all they've got to do is get lucky a few times. Um, so once you make, uh, the, the victims make uh, comms with these people, the sales team are very, very pushy and they're very good at what they do in convincing people to part with their cash, to go convert it to crypto and then um, to start sending it to their crypto addresses. Now, if you're not very technical savvy or crypt, certainly crypto savvy, uh, they even will can remote desk into into your uh, laptop or whatever and do it for you. You know, set up accounts on um, exchanges to convert you know, your cash to crypto and then literally step by step, um, you know, do it, do it for them um, to send send the crypto to their address uh, and then with a make-believe of uh, going to be investing. Now, what happens on uh, once the victim starts to realise that it's not real, when they start to realise it's not real, when they see these massive 
funds in the sort of top right hand corner of what they think they've made, you know, doubled, tripled their money, whatever. They start to want to withdraw it, as you would. Um, these spurious taxes and that sort of thing suddenly appear out of nowhere. Uh, and it's just a ruse to, to bleed more money out of the victim. Um, now, if the person suddenly yeah, cuts all comms with uh, that sales team and, and trading platform, um, you'll then, they'll then have what's called the double scam, a fake asset recovery company, fake law firms, even law, people pretend to be law enforcement or some blockchain authority that is not real. Uh, we'll get in contact with them. It's likely to be the same gang behind it. Uh, and then further bleed money from them um, you know, you, to unfreeze your funds, sends us another £30,000, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just another way. And unfortunately, uh, this tactic works very, very well. And clients will often come to me who have got, have lost absolutely everything. Um, and these scams ruin lives, absolutely ruin lives. You know, it, it's life savings gone. I've got a, a client who's lost his house off the back of this. You know, clients in tears talking about suicide and that sort of thing. So it is it's really, really devastating. And unfortunately, they try to go to, um, you know, law enforcement. And this is global. I have clients all over the world. And um, quite often they get palmed off. You know, they don't necessarily understand the crypto space and that sort of thing. And I don't and think, oh, you, you need, there's nothing we can do, um, which is a shame. Um, but all is not lost. There are good investigators, good lawyers, good barristers, and and using certainly good tools like Crystal massively helps in terms of sort of demonstrate to the court and to the victims of what really happened. Wow. I mean, I've got loads of questions, but Marina, I'm sure you have as well. You, you go first. Well, yeah, this is, um, I mean, the effect of this camera is truly devastating. And, uh, of course, um, you know, uh, my thinking is that it's, it's a shame that we don't, um, put investigators, you know, more in the media and on these kind of podcasts, you know, the way they speak about this work because it's really important for people first to be more aware of that happening and second, you know, to understand that the help can be uh, provided to them um, because, yeah, sometimes people, you know, I can't imagine how many people are just, you know, walking away with that um, and, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm... Um, that that's really a big thing and uh, i'm happy that you are helping these people um but uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on the process how this starts so you're getting someone um reaching out to you by that moment do you like in the major of case the majority of cases do you know something about the group that is operating is it how likely is that that you know it is a piece of the bigger you know puzzle um and how do you move forward to this uh, this whole process sure. So the sort of start points that I need to kick off an investigation um, is the profiles, it's phone numbers and that sort of thing that you, you use to communicate, which invariably are false. Okay, they're never going to be using real, real names and that sort of thing. Um, and the most important part with the sort of crypto side of things is the transaction IDs, you know, um, which transaction ID, completely unique Afro-numeric um, set of characters, which will determine this transaction is what you, you, you made to the fraudsters, uh, I can then continue with using Crystal, begin the follow of the, where the funds went. Um, now, to do the investigation and subsequent sort of court report that the lawyers and the barrister will need, uh, it's sort of broken down in sort of two parts. First off is to confirm fraud has taken place. This isn't just a bit of an unfortunate trade gone wrong or whatever, or unfortunate investment. You know, it's definitely a, a fortunate platform. Um, the people you're talking to are not real, etc. cetera. Uh, break that down. Um, for, for the court and for the barrister to sort of take the judge through 
Um, and then the second part, but the most important part, where did the funds go? And this is where using Crystal uh, is hugely useful with the visualization of it all to sort of break it down. Um, it was moved around you know, the blockchain. What we're looking for is the off-ramp. Well, maybe the off-ramp is where they're converting that crypto um, potentially to cash or use an exchange to, to swap it to another uh, coin to then further launder on a different blockchain. But the point at which I see, the last point where I see the funds is usually an, a crypto exchange. Um, and that's why, because then that address, which we don't know who the persons are behind it, the exchanges can assist us with this by uh, disclosure and providing the sort of KYC details and hopefully potentially freezing the wallets as well uh, as the, the court process goes ahead. Um, that's why I need to, in, in the reports, needs to be very, very clear as to why we are going after that individual, how I got there from the start point. Um, and, you know, and the first piece pays into that, you know, this is definitely a fraud. Um, now, in terms of the question in regards to the uh, who's behind it, uh, very large scale international organized crime groups. Uh, what would would say, and I, I recommend my, one of my victims when they come to me is to watch the recent BBC uh, documentary called The Billion Dollar Scam. Uh, I was on a panel last week with one of the producers of that and a sort of closed forum. Uh, absolutely fascinating. They, they did a really, really good job in breaking down on, on how huge this problem is. And I see how huge it is in terms of looking just on the blockchain. I guess I was, you know, clients come to me, he's lost 100 grand, a lot of money. But as you're seeing it moving along, you're seeing it being you know, merged with other funds from other nefarious places. And the scales, you know, the decimal point keeps moving until it's some point in the billions. Um, so they are making a lot of money. For them, crime pays at the minute sure Robert I mean it's really fascinating to hear you speak the the um the, the the question I was going to ask was was about you know at the very start of the process so um, are you generally engaged by individuals by law firms by a combination of both and you know I, I'm not playing down any any loss of money through fraud is is a serious matter but yeah. is there a sort of threshold that you know people go well actually I've lost that I'll put that down to experience but this requires investigation is you know maybe that's a stupid question but be interested no, in here sure. in hearing your point of view on that so um as part of my jobs i consult at grant thornton in uh, the large sort of crypto asset recovery team there um and you know they look at a lot, lot of, the, of the bigger cases um but then i will get direct contacts uh through the website etc um of people who have lost say 20 grand and that sort of thing you know to them and if i lost 20 grand i'll be devastated um and conversations happened recently in terms of can we sort of group a lot of these together because i very see you know the it may be one website but i know that they're part of the same other sites you know and and so the attribution on crystal i see the same addresses being used therefore it's the same people um so it's been able to sort of you know potentially group these individuals but in terms of threshold i mean yeah litigation in the uk is expensive right it, it's 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 a, it's a long, drawn-out process, but doing what we can to try and speed that up, um, open up dialogue with the exchanges to assist us um, when we find these addresses that have had you know, stolen funds go through them. Um, you know, Trying different ways to try and smooth this process over and make it more streamlined for the victims is something I'm, I'm working on a lot. Yeah, thank you. And... Uh... Uh, and then sort of moving on, I mean, you've touched on this a little bit, but um, clearly your roles change, as you said at the start, from using these sort of block, 
blockchain explorers to using tools like crypto and uh, that you know there's obviously a lot of blockchain analytics tools out there what it sounds like the blockchain analytics data and uh, the way they present the data is is really crucial to your investigation and you know what what's can you build a bit of a picture of what sort of data is is valuable to you what don't you get from the just the public view of the blockchain that you get from a product like crystal so invariably they'll uh, the bad guys will be using sort of mixing services so it won't be just from one address to another job done that does happen sometimes which is fantastic makes my life a lot easier <laughs> but invariably especially with with the hacks uh, the likes of Lazarus Group, they will move that stuff around all over the place. Um, and being able to sort of demonstrate from point A to point B of lots of bits in the middle to the judge, uh, why have we got here? Why are we going after that person? Uh, or trying to unmask that address to find out who the person or persons are behind it. Now, with sort of normal blockchain explorers, you can get, you can to an extent do that. Um, but there is massive scope for error. Um, with Crystal, you know, the visualization tool, it's made very, very, very user friendly to go from, we call it first in, first out. Um, so it's what goes in, the next amount that goes out that's same or close to um, the funds and then continue that process until we find an exchange and then address it associated with that exchange. Um, now, to do that on a blockchain explorer, you, after a few hops, you're going to get, you know, fuzzy head and, and try to, and, could go very very wrong you end up going after the wrong address um and also but the big thing with, with crystal is the attribution that is really really key and what i mean by that is they've got looking at addresses and they can see from directly or indirectly uh funds that have come from pretty nefarious and nasty things like terrorism financing and, and, and that sort of thing um that i can then use that in court when and show the judge for the barristers and show the judge to say look this address has not only received stolen funds from our, our client it's also been involved in a lot of other nasty stuff um, to sort of further add weight to the case. Great. Yeah, thank you. Do you see growing understanding among judges uh, uh, in relation to the blockchain over time? Um, yeah. That's, uh, mm -hmm. it's the more and more we do, and there are some judges who are fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. And with my report, there's a big section at the beginning now, which is, explaining what crypto is and that sort of thing and spelling, explaining the methodology in very, very finite detail. I've given examples that redacted real life examples that I've, I've done uh, mm -hmm. to say, this is how I follow using crystal to get to the endpoints. So mm -hmm. and then the investigation report will begin. So mm -hmm. uh, the judge judges will see, you know, my reports over and over and over again and other people um, and begin to have more of a better understanding. And a lot of people like to come to, to England to try and get their cases through here because of that. And also um, uh, for various reasons, you know, that mm -hmm. the lawyers and barristers here are very well, you know, very well versed in, in crypto and that sort of thing so to, to take it on. Yeah, because I remember like three years ago, um, it's unimaginable what amount of work needed to be done before you can go to the court because you really needed yeah. to explain what blockchain is. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the amount of preparation is, was outstanding. And of course, I assume right now things are, Moving in general, smoother, um, yeah. yeah. But um, I have another uh, question to you. Um, um, comparing these investigations to the investigations that you've been doing outside of the scope of Web3, what are the key differences for you? And maybe on the other side, where, what, is, what, what, what stays the same for you and how 
your previous um, uh, experience actually helps you right now and uh, um, helps you move forward. Yeah, so I mean, um, my you know, background being in the military, mm -hmm. going after yeah. bad guys in the desert, right? You know, sounds cheesy, then I've got to go after bad guys online. It's, it's I will invariably go on off the, the back of you know, my background of, of going after these sort of people in person. Um, now, in terms of the difference between the sort of crypto cases and, and previous fraud, previous fraud may be just more sort of one individual, whether these crypto scams are large scale international organized crime groups who have got footprints all over the place, including in the UK, um, whether it be shell companies, you know, individuals, the sales team, um, where the website's hosted, where the, where the crypto is ending up, um, you know, then that can be, all over the place it's they're very well organized now as you'll see if you watch the billion dollar scam uh you know the german law, law enforcement there's a unit there who are doing very very good things in this space and trying to break down what's called the milton group um but i still see that they're still operating on a huge huge scale um it's got it's a vast vast task so the differences are you know just sheer volume of this is massive and just for me, as a, as a, as a small firm, even with working with with Grant Thornton, you know the the size of them, um, it's a very uphill task to try and. Nothing's going to go away anytime soon. In fact, it's probably going to get worse. I think with the advent of AI and deep fakes and that sort of thing, but that's trick people into investing on these sort of things. And I assume the speed of response and reaction is also critical here. And uh, uh, you know. I, I can see this in many cases that, you know, the scammer moves the money and then you really need to move super fast and it doesn't yeah. matter what time of the day it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, certainly. I, I mean, think... it's, it's the, with the, especially with the, with the hacks where funds will sort of halt private addresses and they could be there for weeks, months, who knows, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden, it starts moving again. You know, we've got to be on it. So it's uh, challenging. Yeah. In a way, from the outsiders looking in, Rob, it seems to be that either, you, you know, I at least see a lot of news stories about exchanges engaging in locking, you know, specific wallets that they're hosted that, that, that store funds. But so I guess it's either you need to move quickly where you can control or watch for a very long time where you can't control. Right. It's almost this, this two ends of the spectrum. It's probably react within minutes, if not hours or wait out quite a period of time what yeah. what's the in any of your cases what's the longest sort of time period where you've seen some dormancy in the chain of a and you probably can't answer because they're probably still going on right but what you know how how long do the criminals leave stuff dormant and then start activating it they tend to like to, to cash out fairly fairly quick or move it to an exchange certainly um um because of the sheer volume of it i suppose um it's so it is quite fairly rare that it's on private addresses and held because they want to buy nice things, I imagine, um, and fund their further illicit activities. I have another question to you. Um, you have quite a lot of experience right now um, with, with all these cases for all previous years. Um, do you see, how do you see the balance between, you know, people who got um, like amateurs who got, um, access to some funds that don't belong to them and they just trying you know rushing out to convert this into cash versus really sophisticated and organized and very technical CE uh, criminal groups do you see this shift 
Um, yeah, I mean, so to try and answer that is is very with disclosure. We'll get sort of two two types. You get your money mules, and you get your actual sort of henchmen. Mm -hmm. um, now, the money mules will be potentially be trafficked individuals who are forced to do this at gunpoint, um, sometimes unknowing, um, or other times it's you, you can see that's being cashed out, and they're and through OSINT, they're living a very nice lifestyle. Um, Whereas the money mules, it tends to be they then swap it onto another chain to then further launder, and it's just to try and thwart me, others, law enforcement, etc. Mm -hmm. um, because on on chain, you can only see it to a point. It comes onto the exchange, and then yeah. uh, through the help of the exchange, they they can then tell us uh, what what what's occurred next, essentially. And Rob, what's what's the uh, what's your thought process on the? how cooperative the exchanges are, are now. I, I heard a story actually from a, a founder of a, a blockchain company who lost a significant amount of money through a hack. And this was a number of years ago, six, seven years ago, so quite early on. And he went to an exchange and the exchange was, exchange was like, well, you know, it's gone out of our, we're not the custodian of this asset anymore. And, you know, there was a valid, transfer request so you know nothing we can do sorry yeah. you know and that that actually made him go and set up his own blockchain analytics company which is a great backstory on what makes a founder driven yeah. but you know how, how are you seeing the the vast and exchanges cooperating now is it a, is it a, a sort of night and day scale from from back in the day so, some are good um some are very helpful uh some just not and just sometimes even record orders just go radio silent which is just unacceptable, um, you know, because I see not only stolen funds from my client, but all, all sorts of other nasty stuff uh, from the attribution from Crystal um, going through the said exchange. Um, and the sheer fact of not responding, not replying, just makes it even more suspicious. Why? Why are you not helping us here? Um, you know, you've got a victim of, of, of fraud, of a crime. Um, why are you not responding? Um, the other side, some of the, bit, the, the big ones are um, becoming more helpful um, because, you know, I think, you know, a sort of wider crypto space, it needs to be cleaned up, you know, move away from this sort of Wild West type sort of scenario. And and because crypto is not going anywhere. Right. And um, you know, increased regulations, like you talked about earlier, um, it, 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 let's clean this space up. And to help that is the exchanges because they're using yeah, the criminals are using those exchanges as a vehicle for fraud to off-ramp, uh, cash out, or or just cross-chain swap. So I think that's it's it, it's some of the some of the ones um, and I won't name them for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> they, they need to step up essentially mm -hmm. and to help out, not just likes of you know civil law enforcement, but also uh, sorry civil, but also law enforcement as well. I know that they're just doing the same, radio silent, not helping, and you know, where's that going to end? It'd almost be good. I'm not suggesting you do, but it'd almost be good. I, I mean, I've seen a couple of sites that rate the trustworthiness of mm. exchanges, right? It, it'd almost be good to to have that sort of uh, signal in a way of, you know, I, I'm dealing with this exchange. Yes, they're trustworthy in terms of maybe keeping my assets safe from a custodian perspective, but are they collaborating with law enforcement? Are they meeting the regulations? Uh, something like that already exists. So if it does, please someone get in touch and let me know. But uh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with such such trust score of exchanges. Yeah, and it needs to sort of happen if it's not already there, I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah. 
like I say, just sort of name and shame, I suppose, to get them into the sort of come away from the dark and into the light and, and into the good and move away from the Wild West. Yeah, and Rob, maybe as a closing point, um, I know that for a lot of people, uh, you know, being involved in this scam or losing money still is a big shock. And I see it everywhere that people just don't know what to do yeah. um, and where to go and, you know, where are the first steps? And uh, they even ask us, do I even need to go to law enforcement? All of that, things that are usual to us, and we answer them, you know, easily through majority of the people it's still you know, uncharted territory maybe what would be your advice your recommendation in this case? sure so I've, um, I've got a couple of examples active at the minute with uh, um, elderly victims um, who've had a lot of money taken from them um, and it, it the penny doesn't fully drop sometimes they still want to believe and hang on um, and this isn't just the elderly victims it's, it's all um, and they still think if they pay a little bit more money, they'll get the uh, stuff released. It's please, please, please don't give any more money. If anything else, don't give them any, another penny because it's all a lie. Um, or if someone's thinking of investing or has started communicating, just take that pregnant pause, go and stop and have a look and have a good Google search of what you're looking at. Um, even if the company, their website's got a UK company on there, doesn't mean it's real. That's a tactics being used by the bad guys uh, to entice you on. Um, now, what I need, as investigators, like we mentioned before, is those start points. Now, the it needs to be as open and frank. I need to see everything as possible. And trust me, nothing will shock me. I'm ex-military. You won't shock me. I've seen all sorts. Um, so if you have been engaging and uh, and that sort of stuff, uh, the usually the WhatsApp chat and that sort of thing, uh, Showing the full history. I'm just looking for that little nugget of information that may unearth who the persons are behind it. Um, also, the transactions. You know, make sure you, I need to know everything that you've you've done. Don't hold anything back. Uh, give it all to me. And as I said, do not give them another penny. They will try any way, shape, form possible. Pretend, pretend to be the police. Um, and now, don't give them a penny. Just all stop. Don't tell them the um, investigation is taking place. Um, continue communicating if needs be or just go radio silent. You're one of many, many, many people that I'll have. You know, there'll be one operator may have like 500 victims on the books. So don't worry, you just suddenly drop off the grid. They will harass you and hound you. Just ignore it if needs be. And great, one final one for me. Rob, where should where should people find you if they want to get in touch and, 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 and talk to you a little bit more about yep. their situation? Where, where would they find you? So I've got a website, which is arrowsgates.io, uh, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I've only recently put my head above the parapet. I've been sort of in, in the, in the uh, hiding behind and not have my face out there. But this this fraud space has got so vast that I felt necessary to sort of come out and say, right, you know, here I am. Here's where to come if you need help. Um, because you see so many victims who just don't know where to go. Unfortunately, they will go to action fraud and that sort of thing. And nothing really, generally really happens. Um, so yeah, just give me a shout out on LinkedIn or come to the website arrowsgate.io and uh, see if we can help. We'll put your uh, website and LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well, Rob. Um, thank you so much for you know joining us today and shining a light on you know this very serious sort of part of the the crypto industry and with professionals like you 
you know, I know we'll, we'll, you'll start to help people and we'll start to clean up the industry. So, you know, a special thanks to you. We also hope uh, our listeners enjoyed it. Uh, tune in for next month's uh, episode, which is going to be episode five. We'll be unpacking uh, the travel rule and talking about trust and the TRP protocol. So see you next time. Thank you, Marina. Thanks, Rob. Have a great day. Thanks, Thank you. Bye.